Hey there, everyone. What's up? It is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and welcome to podcast episode number 281. I always love getting Tim Larkman on our show. I mean, I've worked with Tim now for over two decades, and it's because his methods of combatives training, it's very unique, and it's also very, very effective. Now, this is a longer episode, and it has a lot of real-life stories and examples of the reality of weapons attacks that I know is going to open your eyes to how you should really approach protecting yourself against a violent attacker who's armed with a knife, a baton, or even a firearm. Now, it's all coming right up, but first, don't worry about taking notes because we've done all the heavy lifting for you with this week's free handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points. All you have to do is head on over to mcsmagazine.com 281 and pick it up there absolutely free. Plus, be sure to stay tuned into your email inbox this week because I've whipped up a special offer for Tim's training that I know you're not going to want to miss. And it'll be featured in our email newsletter a little bit later this week. But for right now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. You're walking to your car at the end of a long shift at work. It's getting dark outside. You're tired and not as aware of your surroundings as you really ought to be. Now, without warning, a man steps out of the shadows and tells you to hand over your wallet and keys. You can't see his face, but you notice the glint of some type of weapon in his hand as he steps closer toward you, obviously meaning business. Now, the happier version of this story ends with you handing over the goods and your attacker takes off down the road, leaving you to call the police and your insurance company and eventually maybe grabbing an Uber ride home. But in another version, your attacker grabs your wallet and keys and then says, now get in the trunk. I probably don't have to tell you that this is the absolute last thing you want to do and could put you in the middle of an isolated remote parking lot marked for rape, murder, and or any number of other horrific acts of violence. You need to make your stand, but he has a weapon. And even if you're armed with Dirty Harry's 44 Magnum, the chances of you getting to it in time to deploy it in an extreme close quarters attack are somewhere between slim and none. The simple fact is that weapon is a threat and has to be dealt with. But how do you go unarmed against an armed attacker and still survive to get home to your family? Well, that's what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor from Modern Combat and Survival Magazine. And back with me today is somebody who's developed some very unique and effective strategies for dealing with all types of weapon attacks. Please welcome back to the program, Tim Larkin. Tim, great to have you back on the show, man. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Always good to have you here. Listen, everybody, you've probably heard me talk about Tim several times. We've done lots of podcast interview with, interviews with him. Uh, members of our uh, membership program with New World Patriot have heard some of his masterclass webinars that we've done with him. But let me give you a little bit of rundown here. Uh, Tim is a former special warfare intelligence officer who, because of his extensive martial arts and combat sports background, was assigned to a special group of senior SEAL operators with the task of researching and developing a more effective form of hand-to-hand -hand combat training than there was currently employed by elite special operations units. Now, these units had a high standard and very specific needs for a fighting system that could be mastered in minimum time, be integrated with any other type of weapon system, and of course, needed to be extremely effective in real life or death combat. As a member of this group, Tim finally helped to modify, update, and implement a combative system that could stand the test of modern, unconventional warfare operations, and by 1991 had helped rewrite the way the U.S. Special Operations community learned hand-to-hand -hand combat and laid the groundwork for what would become the combat fighting course. Now, Tim later went on to refine this system for use with not only military spec ops units, but also law enforcement, high-level corporate security teams, and of course, the average Joe and Jane civilian who needed to quickly master skills that could save their life against the criminal predators walking our streets, regardless of their size, strength, or lack of fighting experience. 
Now, this system ultimately became the target-focused training combative system and is today one of the most sought-after fighting programs around the world. Tim is also a New York Times bestselling author with his book, When Violence is the Answer. And you can learn more about Tim, Target Focus Training, and pick up a copy of his book at his website at www.target-focus-training.com. All right, Tim. So, so talking about dealing with uh, weapons attacks. Now, you, you've developed some very, you have a very unique approach to this. I think this is, I mean, most of the systems that are out there are really kind of like a, you know, do this move against this move sort of thing, or use this move against this weapon approach to you know, disarms, blocks, strikes, and things like that. So I, I, think, I think for the purposes of get really giving people uh, an insight into how you approach it with target-focused training, I think it helps to really um, give them some, some primary factors that you've built into the system in regards to how it applies to weapons attacks. So let me just go ahead and tell you, what are those primary factors that you think in TFT really, um, really work well against weapons. It's really first like, like pulling back, you know, really pulling back from everything and saying, okay, what's the goal in, in a situation? We have two human beings that are going to have a violent conflict. You know, what, what makes that other person so dangerous? And it, it's the same thing each and every time, you know, we, we really only possess one weapon. Um, it's the brain. And that's really been hackneyed and overused by people. They just kind of throw it out there and then they go off and they give you all the same advice. Um, but the thing that makes uh, you know, somebody dangerous is the fact that they can think and move and they can make decisions. And you know, that was really where we started. You know, the whole idea in any conflict where your life is on the line, you know, the thresholds that we're talking about, um, is to really shut down the other person's central nervous system. That, that's really it. Because once you have control of their brain, once they're no longer able to make decisions and, uh, you know, focus on, you know, injuring you, then you have the ability to, to injure them. And, and that's where people, people get very caught up with the tools. They get caught up with the knife, the gun, the baton, which I totally understand. I mean, there, there's a reason people, you know, people are concerned about weapons because people put things in their hands um, because they can do something that their bare hands can't do. And so, you know, you have to look at each one, you know, with, uh, say, a baton, it's, it's, it's blunt trauma. You know, with a knife, it's penetration, penetration, and then rapidly bleeding somebody out. Um, you know, using a firearm, same thing. Firearm goes in to shut down the central nervous system. Now, it may be through blood loss, hypervolemic shock, or it might be directly to the CNS where they actually shoot somebody in the head. So you know, we, we start, start from that aspect. And when you understand that it's the active brain, you understand that your weapon system is, I have my brain and my first tools available to me are everything on my body. You know, anything I can reach out and touch, I can do, you know, I can do damage to with my own human body. So the example that you gave, say if somebody is carrying a, a 44 Magnum, but it's deep concealment, um, understanding how to injure the human body is critical because it allows you to buy time to actually get and deploy that tool that you have. And so, you know, I, I know this isn't specifically given tactics right off the bat, but I think you have to sit there and define what the real threat is before you can effectively look at going after, you know, uh, a predator that may be approaching you with tools. Yeah, I mean, I think that that really nails like a big part of it because when you look at, if you go online and you look up, you know, gun disarms, it's going to be, okay, you do this, you twist this, you, 
you pull here and then you rack the slide. And you know, that's, that's what you see when you see uh, knife attacks. Well, if they come in from this angle, you have this block, you know, defang the snake. You have all these different like tactics versus the actual weapon. But again, it, like, I guess using the example that I gave in, in the introduction there, you see a glint of a weapon. Well, what, what kind of weapon is it? You, all you see is metal, especially if it's you're shocked. You don't really, you know, you've, your adrenaline's, you know, your heart's beating through your chest. You're, um, you don't know what maybe what type of weapon it is. So are you dealing with a knife attack? Are, is it a gun? Do you have to? So um, with your approach with it, um, it really is just about like, forget about the weapon in a way. It's really just worry about doing damage to this person, right? Yeah, the, the, the person is the problem. Um, you know, the, the person is, is the one, if, if you leave him fully functional, able to think and move, he can still operate weapons. So this is where you see some of these disarmaments. What's, what's crazy to me is I see all of these disarmaments and people are literally, their heads are like together while they're going through all their, you know, things, all the targets to shut somebody down are there, but they're so focused on holding on to the tool that they don't realize that all of the abilities to shut everything down are right there in front of them, but they don't understand injury to the human body. And oftentimes people, when it comes to combatives or empty hands or whatever you want to call it, they try to make it different from everything else. It really isn't. It's just violence. You're using the tool of violence. You can use it with your brain and your body. You can use it with tools. You can use it with extended tools. Like you use things, you know, you can take it as far out as, you know, shooting a missile or, you know, a, you know, a fighter pilot or, or anybody. It, it's, it's all the extension, but it all comes from the human brain first, you know, operating the tool. And when you just get smarter about targeting what the real threat is and getting away from the idea of competition and understanding that when your life's on the line, you don't want to compete with anybody. You want to completely destroy them. You want, you want the skill sets of destruction. Skill sets of destruction are, are really simple to learn, easy to execute, and don't require a lot of athleticism. Um, and it's, it's been proven, it's been taken to a whole other level in the prison systems in the U.S. as far as the prison gangs and how they use you know, violence. They're, they're really at the forefront of how they use their brain and body and improvised tools. So you can learn a lot from people that have restrictions and also live in this asocial um, world of, of violence where, you know, everything that happens in the prison system is dictated by the successful use of the tool of violence. So when you study a group like that, you can learn a lot of real efficient, effective um, moves and, and strikes that, that basically just shut down the human body, not trying to compete. Like when I look at a disarm, I look at that as competing with somebody. You're, you're trying to, you know, use your strength and everything. And if anything that you're doing when your life is on the line is relying upon athleticism or strength, um, then you better hope that you're more athletic and stronger than the person that you're up against. Whereas if you use the skill sets of destruction, that works on everybody. You know, regardless of how fit somebody is, there are areas of the human body that can't take trauma and will start to literally shut the body down. And, and those are the areas that I, 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 I school all of my clients in. It's even more important when um, somebody has an accelerator, like a knife or a, and what I mean by accelerates trauma, um, the, the knife, the, the gun, um, or the baton, you want to make sure that you got a direct path to injury on somebody like that because they've already shown their intent. You know, you talk about seeing the glint 
the glint is that for for most of my people, everybody makes their own decisions on when they'd make their move and when they they take action. But for most of the people that I train, if you tell me you have a weapon, I'm going to believe you. So I'm going to go after you. If you show me you have a weapon, I'm going to go after you. If you try to deploy a weapon, I'm going to go after you right away. Why? I can't wait to figure out what you're going to do with that weapon mm -hmm. um, at that at that point. And that's where you know, really having a good understanding of basically, if you look at yourself and you just, you just put your arms out and then you did a 360 degrees, you know, turn, basically anything that you can, you can touch within that circle, you can injure. And, and that's how we start training people, you know, you from there and you, and you can take it out, you know, from there, but people make it a lot more difficult um, by adding in a lot of complex gross motor skills and stuff that makes you look cool, especially for the instructors. There's a lot of like disarms and a lot of things that make you look cool. But e even taking that aside, if you just, you know, the reason we stopped showing knife disarms years ago, and we used to show lots of them, and they were, they were good and, and it was fun to do and all this other stuff. And, and it was, you know, challenging. But as soon as reality hit us, and what was reality? Reality was when I started studying more in-depth in violence, started going more into DOJ and the prison systems and getting a lot of data. What did we find out about knife crime? We found out that, you know, in the vast majority of, of knife crimes, the person who is, uh, uh, is attacked never saw the knife. The, uh, the person that used the knife on them never saw it. They felt like they were being punched at some point and all of a sudden they realized they were bleeding after but the reason we stopped showing knife disarms in the traditional sense is because you you know statistically it's a very small chance that you're ever going to see the knife you know and so you have to learn how to deal with people from an intent standpoint and i'll give you a perfect example uh, a buddy of mine years ago when we first started doing this in the seal teams um buddy of mine went in san diego uh, a team guy and he went to get some gas and it wasn't, it wasn't the best part of San Diego, but he saw a guy kind of approaching him kind of sketchy. And this guy, even though he's really physically fit, he's not a big guy. And so if he's wearing just kind of like clothes, normal clothes, you wouldn't know if this guy is, you know, really fit and, and pretty strong. Um, but you know, he, he could, he get approached. He's under, I think he's about, I think he's about five, nine. Um, five eight five nine and this guy was a big dude that came at him but this guy had in his hand you know in his pocket he had his hand in his pocket and my guy just knew from the way he was moving his hand he's either got some sort of a small club in there or most likely what he thought was there was a knife and he saw the guy and the guy was trying to angle towards him and because he was so and not just because he was a SEAL, he was trained in situational awareness to look for this kind of, this is what we train people in, you know, profiles, like when would you, you know, when there's, if, if, if they're showing intent, when would you take action? And for him, when the guy put his hand back in his pocket the second time, he felt, okay, he's going to try to deploy this. And he came in and he just started with the first thing that he saw. He was, he saw the guy right in the hip area. He deployed a hip stomp where he just came right up, stomped right on, slammed the guy's hand into into his hip, dropped him, bounced his head off the concrete, and then looked down, and all of a sudden, within the um, within the pocket, there is a blood starting to come all around. Why? Because when he stomped him, he stomped his hand right into the blade. Mm 
and he was absolutely correct, took action. And then, um, you know, later on the police came and, and took away. And this guy, yeah, he was a, he was somebody that had been hitting a lot of gas stations and going in. So that was, that was his response. His response was, I'm going to put the injury on him right away. I'm going to go right there because something's going on. Um, and I can use the fact that he has his hand in his pocket to my advantage by doing a stomp, you know, cause he understood how to put trauma in the human body. So, so that's where you, you get this stuff from. So the only thing that is different is your trigger point. The more you train in dealing with real violence and putting injury to the human body, the more attuned you are on when it would ever be appropriate to use it. And, and the good part about that is there's no, there's no ramp up to anything, meaning you're injuring somebody right away. So their ability to think and move gets decremented. And then you put serial injury on them until they are, uh, you know, until they're um, uh, either unconscious, we call it non-functional. Non-functional can be unconscious, dead, or injured in such a way that you feel you can safely turn your back on them and they're no longer a threat. So they, they could still be conscious, but because they're injured in such a way that you, they can't deploy weapons or do anything, you could safely turn your back on them and get into another threat at that point. Yeah. You know, something that really um, stuck out for me, because, I mean, I started training with you back in 1997, actually. It was a long, man, I'm getting old. Um, but it was, uh, there was an exercise we went through where um, to, to, to go over this point, like what is the target, right? Is it the weapon or is it, is it the person? There was a basically setting a firearm down on the floor, a, a training firearm down on the floor and having two people, the attacker on one side and you on another side, equidistant from that weapon, maybe like 20 feet apart or 20 feet away from that weapon. And it was like, okay, there was like a go moment, like a go for the weapon. And most people go like try and get to the ground to go for the weapon. Like they're trying to wrestle the weapon out to be able to get to, to get to the gun. Whereas you came up there and it's like, okay, now look at it the way from a TFT standpoint, like go is attacker goes for the weapon because the, the attackers think about the weapon too. Like that's why they have it. They're not, they're thinking this is my, this is my, um, you know, my accelerator, but you just basically went up. It's like, screw the weapon and just, you know, punt, punt to the guy's head through the goalpost. And it yeah. was like, that's just a, it's a mental shift that is, that's huge for life or death. And, and what is the actual target that you're going for? Right. Um, and you know, I, I think the, uh, so, so I know we don't want to, I know like all weapons aren't really like, they're not the target, but what I want to do now is from your study, all the data, I got, I know you've done tons of data and in your classes, you show like real scenes of real violence, really get people act kind of a, well, it's kind of hard, hard to inoculate people, but to really get them to see what violence really looks like and what they're actually dealing with there. So I'm curious what some of the things that you've noticed with different weapons that might be considerations for people, not from a standpoint of like, okay, with a baton, do this move, but just um, what, you've, what you've discovered about different weapons and what people should know about those weapons and maybe the threats to them or whatever. I'm just kind of curious. So let's start with, with knife attacks or, or knife defense. So what are what do you think people don't re don't really understand or don't really know about knife attacks that they should know? Um, with knives, I think I think the biggest under the biggest misunderstanding with knives is uh, all injuries or all uh, all uses of the knife are equal. And what do I mean by that? You'll see you'll see where people get slashed all the time. A lot of people are slashing. Um, using using knives and people are very concerned about getting slashed 
Whereas the real, the real thing to be concerned about, and very few people out of the gate do this, unless they are true alphas, um, is, is the idea of penetration, stabbing. So that's the main thing. The reason I have everybody in our, in our classes use the weapons first before we talk about going up against somebody with a weapon is you need to know what this thing's designed to do and what it can do and what it can't do well. And that's the best part. When you show people, hey, the knife's really good for one thing, one thing only, and that's rapidly bleeding out um, the human body if you know where to put your work um, and starving the brain of oxygen. So again, shutting down the central nervous system. And once people understand that, they realize, oh, okay, so just, you know, if I get cut, that's not necessarily a bad, you know, that's not necessarily something I have to worry about. Meaning I'm there, it's very uh, eminently survivable and it's a slower bleed because it's venous bleed versus when they're punching it into your body, that can be lead to an arterial bleed where you can bleed a lot faster. And so uh, where, where people make the mistake with knives is they, they equate the two, they equate a slash with a stab. And, and so understanding is I don't want to get stabbed. Therefore, I'm going to get in there as soon as possible and get my injuries. Um, and people sit there and, 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 you know, they have to understand if there's, you know, we say it all the time, you know, if, if violence is imminent, then if there's a knife, you're going to get cut. If there's a, uh, if there's a baton, you're going to get hit. Um, you know, if there's a gun, the gun's going to go off. The goal is to make sure that you interacting with any of those items, it's a minimized uh, approach for you so you can get in and, and deliver a, a game, you know, a game shutting uh, injury on the other person. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the real goal when you do it. So it, there's not a, uh, you know, it, it, and the other thing, you kind of touched on it and it's something I try to tell people all the time. The huge advantage is when you understand your brain and body, you know, and you have all your tools. If I'm holding, say, a knife, I don't have one close by here, but say I had a knife in my hand, you know, my Dudley highlighter here. Um, if I have this in my hands, okay, this is just one, one tool that's available to me. I still have this tool. I have my two legs available to me. So there's the ability for me that if somebody was dumb enough to grab this, and think this somehow stops me. You know, there are story. Well, I've got great stories of that where where people literally deploy that. They 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 they'll sit there and give up. You know, one of the, the one of the famous stories I talk about is a Walmart. Um, you know, a Walmart where they had a shoplifter, where a police officer comes up, a sergeant comes up to pick up the shoplifter. Walmart security delivers her in, and there's an attack that goes down by her accomplice. He comes in. And he's in a hoodie and he's acting very squirrely as he's coming right towards the car. And the cop looks at him and says, show me your hands. And he ignores it the first time, closes distance a little bit more. Cop says the second time, show me your hands. This time he deploys a knife and he goes, I have a knife. And this cop who was very well trained, he's a a very well trained in defensive tactics and a martial artist and a former 82nd Airborne, um, you know, combat vet he went into what he knew and that was, he went after the tool. He did a great disarm. He did a double 90 degree crank on the wrist, literally ripped the connective tissue. He could feel the connective tissue ripping as he came over. The only problem was out of the other pocket of the hoodie came the five shot revolver that he unloaded into the cop and hit him four times. 
Um, now, you know, I tell the story and the cops survived and there was a whole, there was a whole grain, the bad guy got killed. But the reason I tell that story is because that's who you want to train for. You want to train for the guy that literally will give up a limb to get what he really wants. And that's my, I always say that's my ultimate training avatar because that's the guy I want to shut down. If either one of him, and there's another part of that story where the Walmart security guys take it, takes action grabs the empty gun out of this guy's hand. This guy's still holding on to the knife in his kind of mangled hand now, transfers it into his good hand and stabs the Walmart security guy twice, dropping him. So both of those guys went for the tool, not the weapon. Hmm. And, and that's one of the things. And, and what's funny is I'll have people in the industry, and I hate when people do this. I don't, I don't freaking understand it. When they'll sit there, and I've had smart guys say this to me, go, yeah, but that's just an outlier. That's just, that's just one, you know, that's that, that's that guy. Not everybody's like that. It, you know, 90, the other 99% of the time, it's going to work on, you know, going after the tool is going to work on these guys, you know, and they'll give you examples of when they did it. And it's like, no, you don't train for the 99% of norm. You train for that 1% black swan event that you don't want to happen. And you can avoid that each and every time if you're shutting down the central nervous system um, and then you can get the tool. Like, like, you know, if, if you want to get, instead of just dis- the best way to disarm somebody is to knock them out, you know, leave them non-functional and then you can grab whatever you want off of them at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, now what we're talking about, Jeff is what you, the, what you set up in. I get attacked in close and I don't have time to deploy a, a tool or anything. I have to rely on my brain and my body for tools. And that's your first line of defense. And what's so great is when you train yourself this way, everything else becomes easier. I had a client. She got, uh, she got abducted. Well, not abducted. She stopped the abduction. But she, a guy tried to abduct her, throw her into her van at an uh, underground parking lot in Home Depot uh, area in, in, a urban, um, in an urban part of town for her. She goes in. She's putting some flowers in the back, and this guy comes up from behind, says, "Do you need any help?" And she knew. She felt the hair in the back of her neck go. She had been attacked before, and she knew it's happening again. And sure enough, this guy lifts her right up off her feet. She realized the first thought in her head was, "I can't get to my concealed carry." She had concealed carry, but it was like under her skirt. She had a long skirt on, and it was under there. And she realized, "I can't waste my time." going to this and as the guy's pulling her back up and trying to drag her towards this van she realized her elbow was free and she could you know even though the guy's lifting her up he she still could twist and turn and all she did was as hard as she could she came ramming around used her elbow right into the side of the neck there's two nerves a vein and an artery interrupts blood flow and nerve flow and puts the person to sleep a vasovagal response sure enough she slams this guy and as he's going down she sees the top of his kneecap and she stomps on that, breaks his leg. At that point, she went to go deploy her weapon, but then she realized the guy was out cold and she stopped. When the cops got there, they said, they said to her, they said, you know, he was a bad guy. He had the full rape van in the back and where he's going to kill her and everything. And, and, you know, had a, a, a long record. She, the cops couldn't believe she didn't shoot him. They're like, why didn't you shoot him? And she said, well, he was no longer a threat at that point. I realized that, that he was out cold. You know, she had her, her gun trained on him but until the cops came. But, um, but she felt very calm about it. And it's really funny. This is a woman who literally was devastated um, 
prior to coming to training uh, because she had been attacked before. And it was really, it was debilitating her life. And now she had it happen a second time, but it was almost like, you know, reward. Now she was mad at herself. She was mad that she didn't have somebody walk her to her car um, and do some of the basics, to, which would have made her a harder target. But the cool thing for her was she realized she didn't waste any time thinking that she had to get to her gun to be able to protect herself. She got into it right away. That's what I want to give every client. And that's the whole idea behind like, um, you know, the way we train weapons to people is it's just like anything else. You just need to understand the full picture, but the goal is always the same. The goal is shut down the central nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. What about, um, let's talk about, I mean, uh, going to a few of the other weapons. Cause I mean, in your, in your uh, defeating weapon attacks, uh, DVD system, you do have separate DVDs for um, knife and you also have one for, for baton strikes as well. So when it comes to somebody using any sort of a club or a baton or anything as a blunt trauma instrument, what, um, what do you think people, most people don't know about that weapon that they might, might be useful then? It's, uh, it's a weapon that works well with distance, meaning it gives you a little more distance than you normally would have with your bare hands or your bare limbs. Um, and you can accelerate something that's much harder than the human body. You know, it's usually a hard piece of wood or a hard, uh, or, or a metal, you know, piece of metal that people use to, um, to strike with. It also gives you like a third elbow. You know, imagine I had a, a baton here coming out here. Here's one elbow, two elbows. And so you can accelerate the tip of the baton far faster than you can your own human body at that point. So you have a, uh, a really hard material that you can accelerate faster than your own um, limbs. And that, that combined, can, you can do some real damage. You can do things like break bones, something that you can't really do with your bare hands um, the way we do. And I'm talking about you know bone bone. I'm not talking about joints or going after anything like that. Um, so it'll crack bones. It also, the baton um, being a, a hard, dense service, it can actually directly affect the brain. It can actually open up the skull and dump the brain out. Um, it has that, that capability when, when uh, you understand how those tools work. So when you're working against something like that, you have to, this is why it's so critical that clients are taught how to use the tool first so they understand how it works. And once you understand, oh, hey, distance actually helps this guy. If I back up, it actually makes his job easier. Where I can take power away is actually by going into the person. And going in, all of a sudden, the, the arc doesn't, you know, you're starting to get into other parts of the body now, and the arc of the tool doesn't actually hit, you know, uh, and, and get, the, uh, get the strike that most people talk about, you know, that accelerator strike. I have a great video that I showed two UFC fighters getting attacked in uh, Brazil at a, a mart, uh, at a, uh, like a quickie mart gas station. And one of these guys, highly trained guy, I mean, he had a really great record in the, in the UFC and everything. He just didn't know how to deal with multiple attackers, and he certainly didn't know how to deal with tools. He hadn't been taught that way. What did he do? A guy comes literally, it looks like a really bad self-defense video where the guy's holding, it, holding literally like a two-by-four like this above his head and just coming down super, you know, just, just easily, you know, me for teaching anybody. It's like, oh, this is the classic. Just go right in, slam them real easy. This USC fighter, he just backed up. He kept backing up, and he got brained, and he got put in the hospital, and he put, got put in a, a coma. He did the exact wrong thing. He, he 
he gave the guy a distance to work. Whereas, you know, I know it's counterintuitive, but the closer you get in on somebody, the much harder is it for them to use anything that, that requires acceleration and speed. Um, so, so that's, you know, that, that's the key. That's how you start working um, these, these areas. And you can do it, you know, really slow and deliberate at first, you know, te teaching people. I show people that, you know, where do you look on the human body? That's another thing is really important. Most people will look at the end of the weapon which is really, really hard because it's going to be the fastest part of the weapon. So you teach people to slow things down by where they place their eyes in their peripheral vision. And then you teach people how to penetrate into people that have tools like that. And, and again, the goal is not to, to, none of my people, I want to have to ever compete with bigger, faster, stronger. Um, if they have to rely on their strength or anything like that, I've already, you know, we've already screwed, screwed it for them because we have to assume whoever's going to come after us is going to be bigger, faster, and stronger. It's just a, a normal assumption we should make. Therefore, um, we should not rely on being bigger, faster, and stronger in order to protect ourselves. And that's where learning injury to the human body is so critical. And it's really critical when it comes to somebody, you know, facing somebody that has tools. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, so let's talk about firearms. So obviously, I mean, this is going to be the big one, right? So, um, and this is why people go for the disarms because it's all about like the path of the bullet. As long as you're out of the line of fire, it's not necessarily, at least for you, it's not a problem. Of course, that line of fire, that bullet can, you know, hit a, an innocent bystander, can hit the family that you're with. So that makes disarms very, very challenging. And we've seen, I mean, we've seen more of these videos come out like police officers having their weapons taken away from there's all sorts of things about the firearm itself. So this seems like it'd be a little bit trickier of a of a weapon to deal with because of the, the path that bullet can reach out far beyond just where they're at, you're at in close quarters. So what do you, what is it that people should know about firearm attacks or uh, dealing with an attacker uh, armed with a firearm that you think is, is critical for them to know? Yeah. I, well, the one thing that we always go over with firearms is that what makes them so intimidating is the fact of the, it, it has the least amount of intent necessary of the three tools that we've talked about we talked about a baton we talked about a knife and now we're talking about a firearm the other two are tools meaning you have to actually put them in your hands and you have to get over there and do the physical work you know in order to make those work um the firearm is more of a device it's basically whatever the trigger pull is the level of intent so if it's four to seven pounds you know that's how much intent you need to be able to deploy um something that's gonna you know shoot out at you know, supersonic speed and, um, you know, and rip into the human body doing all the work for you. Uh, and that's what makes them, people inherently understand that when they see a, a gun. And that's why people are irrational about, about it right away. The thing to understand about firearms is, <clears throat> again, distance gives a firearm, somebody with a firearm, a lot more to work with. You know, this is why, you know, when you see, uh, you know, some of the mass shootings that we've seen, the successful taking down of, of shooters like that usually comes from some version of a swarm where one to, you know, up to 10 people just swarm um, a shooter and take, them, and take them down at that point. But the problem most people make is they, they run from it where they really don't have an exit, meaning they're just, they're just giving distance and it's much easier for a shooter to operate. Your biggest opportunities, uh, you know, we're talking like, you know, in, in a mass shooting, you know, if we're talking like one of the, the, the types of shootings we've been seeing, 
is obviously during a uh, disarm or during a uh, reload or a malfunction that the person may have a tool. And there's multiple cases of that happening in some of the bigger uh, shootings that we've seen, but people just don't understand that's your chance. That's when you can get in there and actually injure the person. Um, so again, I respect what firearms can do, but your, your situation is your situation. Um, you know, the, the, the lousy answer is if the guy is, you know, 10 feet away from me, has a firearm, I have no exit. And this isn't something I can talk myself out of. Then my only choice is to go straight towards the person and, and come in and come in there and put an injury on them. And there's, there's multiple cases that I talk about in class and uh, on my products about, you know, people that have done exactly that. Um, you know, I have, a, I have a really good trauma surgeon who's a former SWAT doc, and he gives a great lecture. He gave a really nice lecture at uh, this big Tony Robbins event that we did on injury to the human body and, and bullet wounds. And, you know, he's, he's really big. He said, you know, it, it's not getting shot that is the um your biggest risk it's getting shot multiple times survivability from one gunshot wound is still in the high 90s um now there are people in fact i know of two people that got shot once and that was it it was just you know perfect shots these these guys got uh, unfortunately but um you know statistically it's in the high 90s uh, where that you survive. What you don't survive are multiple gunshot wounds. It just you, the decrementation of the body just goes precipitously down the more times the body gets hit. So that's your biggest threat. Your biggest threat is to be able to understand that and get in and go after the person. Controlling the weapon, the the, the firearm, trying to disarm it versus disarming the brain. I Meaning the same motion that people make and you can see this in our training the same motion they make to go after the gun can go after a part of the human body that can shut the whole body down you know you start the process there of injuring because holding on to a weapon holding on to a gun a firearm or a knife or something doesn't give you any immunity from violence you know you're just you're just as immune and, and what's interesting is when you study say gang culture and i've been working with some of the guys i've been working with a couple of guys uh who do a lot of stuff on the cartel and, and the cartel, you know, stuff. And they've, they've shared a lot of information with me and, you know, it, it's just readily apparent that people who, you know, we're not emulating them, but people that live in a truly violent situation where this is it, this consistency of brain and body first is the most important thing. I mean, they understand I, my only chance is to get over there and injure this guy because it's the only thing that's going to survive. I, I mean, there's a famous story of an L.A. gangbanger who uh, was getting, you know, just at a little bodega, getting some uh, groceries. And there's only one way out in the back. He's paying, he's paying in the back here, turns around, walks, starts walking down the aisle. Rival gang member goes to the head of the aisle, looks down the aisle, sees him. They make eye contact. This guy immediately starts digging for a gun. The guy with the groceries doesn't have a gun, so he just starts running, throws his groceries up. This guy deploys his weapon, starts shooting. The guy knocks him down, uh, knocks him down and beats him with his hands and kills him at that point. He had been shot five times, but five times in, in nonspecific areas. And nobody likes that part of the story, but I'm, show, I'm giving you the most extreme circumstances so you understand that he understood it's the man, not the tool that I got to shut down. And, and that's probably the biggest thing that when you when you're training people, 
what happens oftentimes is we have this world where people say, okay, I'm going to train empty hands now. And now I'm going to do knife fighting. Oh, and now I'm going to do stick fighting. And oh, shit, now we got to go do firearms. And everything's treated as this like individual subset that you have to remember certain rules and parameters, you know, anytime you're dealing with a, one of these threats. That's not the case. Violence is violence, with or without tools, one or multiple people. It's all the same parameters. And you just have to make sure that when you create your training system, that you keep it consistent. And that's my biggest goal. I want people from the first time they train with me to say 10 years later that everything we've given them has moved them along each and every time towards, you know, understanding and, and being able to put injury on the human body and get a real result. And, and so that's probably the biggest thing. I don't want to train people in any sort of wasted movements that might make you feel good, meaning, oh, I knocked the gun out of the way so it's no longer intersecting me, but this guy's still active. He's still there. And now we're, we're gun wrestling and it can, you know, it can go horribly wrong for me. Yeah. So you brought something up. I mean, I think this is important to bring out because it is one of the, the major concepts in your defeating weapon attacks program. And that's the universality of, of the movements that you use and, and taking the, the, the focus off of the actual weapon. So can you just talk about that real quick, the universality of approach of the, of the, the, the strategies that you're using? Yeah. And, and we show that we, we show that the feeding weapons is I thought that was probably one of the coolest things we did was we'll show something empty hands. Then we'll show it. Uh, we'll show it with somebody coming at you with a knife, then somebody coming at you with a baton. And then also we talk about the firearms and we show that the same movements work, work each and each time, you know, the same way of going after somebody with those various tools still works because the goal is to shut the person down. It just makes things eminently easier when you understand it's like, Oh, okay. I got to make sure this guy's brain is no longer active. You know, that's, that's the real threat to me. The real threat is I've got somebody who wants to do harm with me. Yes. He has this in his hand right now, but you know, I can't count that. That's the only thing. If I take that out of there, it doesn't mean he's going to stop trying to you know injure me at this point. Therefore I've got to put this person in a non-functional state. Yeah. And once you understand that's your goal across the board in dealing with violence, um, then it becomes a much easier thing to understand. Yeah. So the other thing that you, you uh, talk about in your program are vectors. I mean, you, you talk a lot about the integration of, of these vectors. So help, help people understand like what, what exactly are vectors and how do they apply to weapon attacks? A vector would be a, uh, what, what most people would call like a punch, a kick, a thrust, um, anything like that. It's, 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 it's a vector that's coming in at you some way, shape, or form. And your idea is sometimes we will injure the vector um, where people would say, okay, and, and people think you're playing semantics and we're not. Meaning, say this guy does deploy a knife and he's going in a stabbing motion and you're just, you're, your brain just sees it. You see it a little bit late. Maybe you weren't paying attention, but you see that he's coming towards a vector's coming towards you and he may or may not have something in his hand. So the first thing that you saw was say like the radial nerve, you know, like, like right on, right on top, meaning this thing came down. It just happened to be the first target that you saw, which we call a vector coming in at you. And you just put everything you could into the radial nerve. And that was your first injury. You struck the radial nerve, opens the hand, weakens the hand's ability to be able to grip. Good chance he's going to lose and drop, drop the tool at that point. And then you put sustaining injuries, you know, additional injuries on him until he's non-functional. 
Um, so the idea is these are vectors coming in at you and how do we deal with them rather than saying it's a punch and a kick and I have to avoid it. It's like, no, you attack it. You go right after it. It should piss you off. It's between you and your injury that you need to get to the other person. This person has come into your life and is trying to end you for whatever stupid reason they're trying to ruin your life. You've got too much to live for. Therefore, vectors, I teach my, my clients to get pissed off at vectors, you know, because it's like, I got to, I got to, I'm just going to beat the crap out of this arm so I can get to the neck because that's where I want to go next. And um, it's, it's a way of redefining things and how you talk to yourself is really important because whatever you tell yourself is true. If you tell yourself, oh, I'm going to get hit, then yeah, that's, that's what you're going to be focused on. If you focus on what you're doing to them, you have a much better chance of achieving that, you know, if you, if you go defensive on it. So my people have lots of different options, especially when you go through a training like defeat, what, defeating weapons attacks. We give you all the parameters of where to go after on the human body from, from any position that you find yourself in. You know, that's the beauty of the human body is there's vulnerabilities throughout it that can get you started. Um, you know, the radial nerve, is it in and of itself, is it a, is it a devastating injury? No, it's basically a temporary um, injury that can incapacitate the hand and probably, you know, pull the guy off balance, maybe cause some eye jerks, some, you know, in and out of focus uh, there. But it's enough of an injury, meaning for that time where I strike the radial nerve, your eyes go in and out of focus, I own you. You can't make any decisions. You can't do anything. You're just reacting to the trauma. And then what I'm hoping is that by the time, just as you're maybe coming out of the reaction, I'm already into my second strike at that yeah. point. Yeah. Awesome. Um, listen, everybody, um, this, this really is a unique approach that, um, it's really, it, it really is a mindset shift, but it's a, it's a very important one. I think, you know, Tim has done a really great job here talking about kind of like, there's a lot of myths out there about how to focus in on weapon disarm. Weapon disarms are, you know, you can get online, you can search for it and everything, and you're going to find lots of different techniques. Techniques are even used by, you know, different military units around the world. But I really think that like the common sense when you really look at it from a common sense approach, it all just it all just kind of falls into place there. And the universality of a, of of the um, of the movements, the vectors, um, this is something you really have to see. I'm, we're going to go ahead and send out a, an email with a link to over to the video for this, so you can really see it. And uh, and I'll talk to Tim also, see if we can put something special together for everybody for the uh, for the defeat weapon attacks. Kind of putting you on the spot here, but um, we'll go ahead and uh, do something here for everybody. Um, I also have some other work with that I've done with Tim that we're going to throw in because I really want people, I've been working with Tim now for over two decades now um, with, with this training and it's, I've, I've become a firm believer. I mean, it was a really far departure from somebody for like me that was a, like a lifelong martial artist and had worked on disarms and worked on attacks and worked on technique versus technique. And it was a real mind sh uh, mindset shift for me that changed really the the trajectory of, of my training from that point on. And so um, it's one of the reasons why we're really focusing on his training a lot with the information that we put out there on the blog and in the podcast and why we've done so many of these with Tim, because that really is, these are life-saving strategies that, that are not, they're not typical of what else of other things that you would see out there. So I'll put out some more information re, uh, regarding weapon attacks, as well as the target focus training stuff out there. But um, really, really, you need to go check it out. Uh, Tim, thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking some time for us today. 
Um, listen, everybody, go over and check out his website and grab his book and the Defeat Weapon Attacks program. Again, we're going to send again. We're going to send out an email to everybody as well. But you want to go over to www.target-focus-training.com and check it all out there. All right. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying, "Prepare, train, and survive." Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival.